Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Okay, you ready for Flying Leap? Okay. You trust me? Go. Okay. Ready? Go. Big one. <laughs> What'd they do? Whatever I told them. I love it. That's what I love about kids. They do whatever I tell them. Would you take your Bibles, go to Ephesians chapter 5. You'll find out why they did what they did in just a minute. Now I have to breathe. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5. We are just trucking through the book of Ephesians. We're about two-thirds of the way through. Uh, we are at a point where Paul now uses these words. Therefore, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, therefore, remember, what do we do with the word therefore? What is it therefore? What did he just say in verse 32? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And then he goes on to say, therefore, because of what God has done for you in Christ, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be imitators of God. What did the kids do? Whatever I did. They had been instructed before the service, do whatever Pastor Dave does. If I run, they run. If I stop, they stopped. If I did push-ups, they did push-ups. If I told them take a flying leap off the stage, they with joy took a flying leap off the stage. Our master comes in and says, because you can trust me. Now remember, why did the kids leap off the stage? For some odd reason, they trust me. They trusted that I was going to catch them. Our Savior comes along and he says, I want you to imitate me. That can be scary. Going to the places that Jesus went, spending time with the people that Jesus spent time with, doing what Jesus did can be scary. Jesus went into some dangerous places. Jesus spent some time with some dangerous people. Jesus did some things that, frankly, I don't want to do sometimes. And yet he says, I want you to imitate me. Why? Because you can trust me. If I make a promise, it's golden, and it's going to be kept. If I tell you that I have done something for you or I'm going to do something for you, you can bank on that fact. As image bearers of God Almighty, as image bearers of Christ, the world is oftentimes going to project upon Jesus what they see from his followers. And so I'm hoping and I am praying that we are imitating him, that we have chained ourselves to that master, to again, which I know I've heard many times, I am a slave to no one and no thing. So don't tell me that I'm supposed to be a slave. To which, remember how we respond to that. We are all slaves to something. The question is, what have we chosen to chain ourselves to? And just as a quick reminder, that word for the word Lord that's used multiple times in Scripture, especially in Ephesians, is the word kyrios, which literally means master, a master 
of a slave. And the question is, what master are you following? The kids followed me and they did what I did. We've got a world that is following others and doing whatever they do. They're following ideologies, they're following philosophies, and I don't know if you noticed, but it's killing people. Families are a wreck because we are following after what the world, what, sit, what Satan and sin have done. We have students that are going off to public junior highs, high schools, secular universities, and being told that they are nothing more than a cosmic accident. And if that's the case, you might as well make all the cells in your body happy for as long as you can because today you live, tomorrow you die, and you become worm food. That's kind of depressing. Not only that, but it's very, very scientifically inaccurate. If you take a look at what it takes for you to function right now, for you to sit in the seat that you are in, for your respiratory system to work the way that it is working right now, for your digestive system to work the way that it is working right now, for your nervous system to work the way that it is working right now, for those neurons to fire across the synapses of your brain so that you can hear something coming through your eardrum, your brain can process it, make mental word pictures, and then try to, to deduce what it is that I am saying is all a miracle that is happening inside of you right now. That's amazing. Those things don't just happen. But when we are left to believe that we are nothing more than an animal and a cosmic accident, you can see why people are diving headlong into some of the things that they are diving into. When you are set free to recognize that you have a creator that has a patent on his creation and he has therefore set up how it is that we should live, man, you're set free to actually live a life that matters. Sin is trapping. I don't know if you've noticed that, but sin traps people and they become slaves to it. Let me just give you a few examples of the entrapments of sin. Think about sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is entrapment. We live in a world that says you should be free sexually. If any of you were alive during the 60s, I wasn't. But remember the time of free love in the 60s and what that did to us and how that messed us up? Well, it's just carried on from there and just gotten worse and worse. We're now in 2022, and everywhere that you go, you're being told you should be able to do whatever you want with your body when you want to. It doesn't matter. And what have the consequences been? Unprecedented amounts of sexually transmitted diseases unprecedented amounts of unplanned pregnancies, emptiness that leaves people devastated. After about a dozen years of youth ministry, I cannot tell you how many times I had especially young ladies walk into my office and tell me about a guy they wanted to date, and it looks like regardless of how much advice I would give not to, they'd be back in my office three weeks later just in tears because they feel like they have just been left with this emptiness inside and abused and abandoned. What about the idea of substance abuse? Uh, if you've ever had family members, I have family members that come from a background of substance abuse. And you will discover really quick that just like with sex and with drugs, there's this little thing called the law of diminishing returns. It always takes a little bit more to get the same high to eventually it becomes something that kills you. What about an uncontrolled tongue? What happens when you lie? You gotta lie to get out of the lie. And then what? Well, then you gotta lie to get out of the lie that you told from the initial lie that you told. And it just keeps spiraling. And you're constantly wondering who's gonna find out what it is that you lied about or what you did. So do you wanna be free from that? 
I know there are some of us sitting in this room, we're showing up today going, there just seems to be that sin that doesn't want to let go, whether it be lust or whether it be anger or whether it be greed or whether it be pride, it just doesn't want to let go. So how do we get free from that? Well, Paul begins to answer that question in Ephesians chapter 5. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5. And beginning again in verse 1, let me take us all the way through verse 6 for right now. And we're going to take a look at what freedom is. What is it? Well, Paul is about to show us in six verses what freedom is. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. First thing that we note as far as freedom starts with the negative, but here's what freedom is not. Freedom is not the absence of all restraints. Just throw off every restraint that there is, have no boundaries, have no borders. That's what freedom is. Let me give you just a couple of examples. Someone who jumps out of an airplane doesn't cast off the restraint of the parachute because it's cumbersome. I don't like the way it feels, so I'm not wearing it. Good luck with that. The scuba diver doesn't suddenly cast off the restraint of the oxygen mask and oxygen tank because they don't like it getting in their way when they're trying to swim. Do that at 120 feet under and see what happens. People can't just cast off the restraints that God has placed upon their lives and not face consequences. And again, whether it be with how we think with how we use our bodies, with how we use our tongues. So that's the negative. The second one that you'll see up there is the positive. Freedom is the presence of the right restraints. See, a skydiver is free to jump out of a plane at 17,000 feet. Why? Because of the parachute. The scuba diver is free to plumb the depths of the oceans. Why? Because of the oxygen mask and the oxygen tank. We, as people, are free to enjoy life the way we have been created to enjoy it because of the restraints that God has put on our lives. Now, we have to understand that freedom only comes from Christ. We are only free when we are enslaved to the right person. That just sounds like a paradox or an oxymoron, doesn't it? But again, remember, we're all enslaved to something. So if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, I'm going to anticipate that most of us sitting in this room have said, I trust Jesus. I trust that he was the one that was spoken of in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. He was there. He created me. He made me. He came as the person of Jesus Christ, God in flesh. He died on a cross for me. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. And then he said he'd never leave me or forsake me. He's walking with me right now. Because of that Jesus, the one that we serve, we are free from something, but don't stop there. 
See, not only are we free from Satan, we're free from sin, we're free from the power of it, we're free from the penalty of it, we're free from hell, we never have to fear going to hell. This is a theological thing that we will talk about later because it could be a whole sermon in and of itself, but there's not a single verse in all of Scripture that would tell you that you could lose your salvation. And that's because your salvation is not dependent upon you. It's dependent upon Jesus. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing because if my salvation was dependent upon me, I would have lost it a long time ago. Anybody else in this room recognize that? Are you glad that the staying power of your salvation is not dependent upon you? I'm sure thankful. So not only are we free from Satan, from sin, from hell, from death, but then we're also freed for something. So don't get stuck on just what you're freed from or what you're saved from, but what are you saved for? Let's go back to verses 3 through 6 as we take a look at what Jesus sets us free from and then what he sets us free for. So let's start with the from. What am I free from? But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving for you may be sure of this, everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. First of all, Jesus sets you free from impurity. Jesus sets you free from impurity. Remember, freedom is not the absence of all restraints. It's the presence of the right ones. So the Apostle Paul here says, restrain yourself from sexual immorality. The word sexual immorality is the word pornea, which we get our word for pornography from, or porn. The word pornography or pornea literally means all sex outside of marriage. Outside of the marriage union between one man and one woman, all sex is deemed as sin. Now, that is not because God is anti-sex. In fact, we tend to think of the Apostle Paul, maybe he lived in a day where they were just completely sexually repressed. They were reserved. Sexuality was taboo. In order to say that, you have to be completely ignorant of history. In fact, in Paul's day, he lived around sex gods and goddesses. Remember, in Ephesus, one of the seven wonders of the world was smack dab in the middle of the city. It was a temple that was built to the, to the goddess Diana, or in the Greek, her name was Artemis. The nice way of saying it is that she was a fertility goddess. Really what it was is it was a prostitution ring that was run in the temple, about a thousand temple prostitutes present at any given point in time in a 24-hour day. Well, another objection is that God is just anti-sex. He's repressive, and he says sex is dirty and bad. Have, has anybody read the book Song of Solomon? I have climbed up that palm tree and went after those coconuts. I'm, I'm reading, reading literally like what is written there. Do you know what Paul is saying? Or do you know what Solomon is saying? Then you go to Proverbs chapter 5. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. And you can go on. I mean, if I read more of Song of Solomon, some of you are going to start turning more red than you already are. I love this. Here. And some of you are going, I'm going to start reading the Bible for the first time. You've got to start somewhere. Start with the Song of Solomon. Go for it. Hey, we actually did, for about uh, a 13-week period of time, a study through the book Song of Solomon with junior high, high school youth. Picture that one. 
It was awesome because believe it or not, the first four and a half-ish chapters of the Song of Solomon have nothing to do with sexuality. It has all to do with character and looking for the right character in the person that you're looking for. But then you get down to the nitty-gritty. You get to this, this pretty intimate relationship between Solomon and his Shulamite wife. And if you ever think that God is sexually repressive or doesn't want anything to do with sex, then you have missed out on what much of Scripture says. But here's what the Lord is saying. It's not that I'm against sex. I'm against it in the wrong capacity. Otherwise, I want you to enjoy sexuality. I created you as sexual beings. That's how you create those that are going to be made in the image of God. But what the Lord says is that when it comes to our sexuality, and, and this is one of the big reasons that God talks about it so much in his word, is that it is the means that he has chosen in order to create more of those people that are supposed to be his image bearers. Therefore, sexuality is very, very precious to the Lord. Think of it this way. We live in a society that treats sexuality as just another fun act. It's like going to the movies. Just do whatever you want with your body when you want to. God says, no, this is what sexuality is like. It's like taking a Van Gogh or a Picasso. It's valuable and it's precious. So what do you do with a Van Gogh or a Picasso painting? Do you stick it on your fridge with a magnet? No, they're found in museums, locked up behind encased glass. And only a certain person has access to that painting. Ladies, that's the way it's supposed to be with you and your husband or your future husband. He is the only one that has access to that valuable painting. If I was to come to you and give you a painting that I did, which would probably be like paint by numbers or watercolor, you'd be like, gee, thanks, Pastor. That lasts on your fridge for a couple days and it goes in the trash. But that is how our society treats sexuality. Paul hits pretty hard on this. Then there's covetousness that he talks about. What is covetousness? It's a greedy desire for something that doesn't belong to us. Have you noticed that we live in a society that covets a lot of things? Then he hits on foolish or crude talk. Have you noticed that that just comes natural? It's really easy to cut people down or say something nasty. I don't know if you've watched primetime television. I mean, primetime television nowadays are what used to be rated R in movies. Now it's just kind of commonplace with some of the jokes that take place. That's what we've been set free from. But what have we been set free for? We have been set free for Christ-likeness. We can be imitators of him, as Paul said in verse 1. We can walk in love as Christ loved us. Verse 4 says that not only should we not have filthiness coming out of our mouths, foolish talk, crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. What if everything that came out of your mouth for the next week was nothing but thanksgiving? What if, just for fun as a church body, we said, hey, let's challenge each other to not complain once for the next seven days and to not make any crude or foolish jokes for the next seven days. The only thing that can come out of our mouths is that which is encouraging or full of thanksgiving. Okay, in all honesty, how many of y'all would struggle with that? Yeah, me too. So I want to glorify God by imitating him through giving thanks for all things. Well, let me pause if I could. I want to take just a little side note. How do we get free from impurity? 
and for Christ-likeness? There's two things that Paul mentions in verses 3 and 4. The first one is starve it. Starve impurity. We might have to get rid of certain forms of entertainment in order to do that. We might have to think really hard about how we talk before we talk. We might have to really focus on not letting our minds marinate in garbage. But there's three things that you're also going to have to do. Okay, eventually you're going to learn this, and pr probably pretty quick, but like week seven or eight now with you all, I love acrostics or things that all start with the same letter. That's the only way this little brain remembers things. So here are really the three Ps of being set free from impurity or for Christ-likeness. They're not going to show up on the screen, so this is free of charge. If you want to jot this down, feel free. If you want to listen, just listen. But there are a few things that you're going to have to do in order to be free from impurity and for Christ-likeness. Number one is purpose. What's your why? Why are you doing this? Why do you want to be free from impurity? And why do you want to be free for Christ-likeness? If you don't know this, you're going to hear it a lot, but our vision statement for New Covenant Church is to treasure Jesus above all else. Our greatest goal for those that walk through these doors are to treasure Jesus above all else. Yes, we want to provide, provide a great place for your, your little ones for nursery, for children's ministry. We want youth ministry to be a blast. Ladies, we want you to enjoy women's ministry. Men, we want you to enjoy men's ministry. We want our small groups to be top-notch. We want to do worship services with excellence because we love Jesus. But all of that goes by the wayside if our greatest goal is not to treasure Jesus in those very activities that we're doing. If we're not teaching your little ones to treasure Jesus above all else, men, if we're not teaching you, and, and ladies, we're not teaching you to treasure Jesus above all else, we have fallen woefully short of why we have even gathered together. That is why we're here. Do you know why that is our vision statement? Because when we get to heaven, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to treasure Jesus above all else. The street of gold is going to be awesome. Those gates of pearl are going to be awesome. Those foundation stones that are going to have the 12 apostles' names engraved in them are going to be awesome. That river of, of life, the tree of life, are going to be awesome to behold. But you know what's going to make heaven heaven? It's going to be Jesus. He is going to be what we are going to treasure above all else. In fact, all of those things that I just mentioned are all meant to point to the glory and the majesty of Jesus who made them for us. Remember what Jesus said. I am going to do what? He has ascended into heaven and he's going to do what? He's going to prepare a place for us. And why is he preparing that place? So that we can all gather together and worship him for all of eternity. Everything points back to Jesus. So we need to starve impurity through having a why. Why are we doing it? Because we treasure Jesus. There needs to be a plan. How are you going to do it? How are you going to get to the point where you treasure Jesus above all else? I can give you some real basics. Wake up in the morning and make your knees be the first thing that hits the floor. Y'all remember that from a couple weeks ago? When you get out of bed, make your knees be the first thing that hit the floor, not your feet. In other words, start your day in prayer, end your day in prayer, and everything in between needs to be a habit of prayer. I like to use doors as a reminder to pray. 
When I walk out the bedroom door, I need to be praying for my family that day. When I walk out the front door, I need to be praying for the community I'm about to come in contact with. When I get in my car door, I need to pray for the city of Albuquerque because you all can't drive. Have I said that before? When I walk through the church doors, I need to be praying for New Covenant Church. When I walk through Trader Joe's or Albertsons or wherever I shop at, be praying for those people in there that God would give you words to share with the people you're about to come in contact with. Whatever door you walk through, be praying. And then that leads to the third P, and that is people. Who will you ask to join you? Have a purpose, have a plan, and then have your people. Who are you going to ask to join you in starving impurity? We've briefly hit on this before, but men, do you have other men in your life that you could tell just about anything to that will walk through this journey of walking with Jesus with you? Ladies, what about you? Do you have that lady in your life? And I don't care about your age. We got five-year-olds that need other five-year-olds in their lives. We got 25-year-olds that need other 25-year-olds. We got 85-year-olds. You need other 85-year-olds in your life that are going to walk through this with you. And then that leads us to the second thing, that is feed Thanksgiving. Feed it. Find things to be thankful for. I got a flat tire the other day. Flat, flat, like gone. Driver's side, rear tire was flat. And what's my first thought? That big chunk of metal sticking out of my tire that gave me a flat. And then the Lord reminded me of something. You got three others that aren't flat. (laughs) And I have a car. That's something to be thankful for. There is always a reason to be thankful. Let's find it together. Let's encourage each other in those things. Let's move on or I'm going to keep you here until tomorrow. Verse 7. Therefore, do not become... Oh, by the way, here's the second one. There's three of them in this passage alone. Therefores. Therefore, he's really just pointing back to the first six verses based off what I just told you now. Therefore, do not become partners with them, talking about the world. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Secondly, Jesus sets us free from purposelessness. Jesus sets us free from purposelessness. There are a bunch of people running around our own city going a million miles a minute with no reason for doing it. They don't even know why they exist. Why do they get up in the morning? Darkness in Scripture, and this is interesting. Did you notice that Paul didn't say you at one time lived in darkness? Did you notice what he said? You were darkness. You were spreading it. Now he doesn't say just to live in the light. He says you are the light. Christ has taken up residence in you and he's living through you. Darkness in the Bible describes evil, unwise decisions, and life without direction. All three. And here in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 12 and 16, he mentions evil, that the darkness is evil. In verse 15, he mentions that it is unwise decision-making. And in verses 11 and 15, he mentions a life without any direction. 
Which leads us to the letter B part of number two, and that is that Jesus sets us free for mission. You are actually alive for a reason. Did you know that God put you here on purpose? Do you know that you are here for such a time as this? Well, what is my purpose? What's my mission? What am I here for? Well, Paul gives us three more things. Verses 7 through 10, he says, live as light. By doing what? Be just like Jesus. I know this just sounds super simple. Sounds like maybe elementary Sunday school, but it's, it's really quite profound. Be just like Jesus. Let's go back to the kiddos. Remember what they did. I ran. They ran. I stopped. They stop. I do push-ups. They do push-ups. I tell them to leap off a stage. They leap off a stage. Why? Well, they're young, so I'm convinced that it's cool to be like Pastor Dave. They'll grow out of that. Don't worry. But I hope you don't ever grow out of being just like Jesus. Don't ever get to the point where you think, I am too cool to be like Jesus. He is the one that I want to be just like. If you want to know who my ultimate hero is, it's not Tom Brady, it's not LeBron James. It's Jesus. Well, there's another thing that Paul says. He says, not only do I want you to live as light by being like Christ, but expose the darkness. Oh man, see, this one's going to be a tough one for some of us, but we're actually called to expose the darkness. We're actually called to call out the things that Satan has called good and right, even though they're wrong. I don't know if you know this, but we are two days away from election day, is that right? And we don't like to talk about politics in the church. Do you know what the definition of politics is? It's the setting forth of a worldview and then the moving forth of it. That's what the definition of politics really is, is the setting forth of a worldview and then the moving forth of it or the advancement of it. That tells me something. Believers in Jesus should be standing for the biblical principles that we see written in his word, even if our society has deemed it as political. So in this church, we will stand for the fact that God created us as male and female at the very beginning, that he is the creator that has patent on his creation. I don't know about you, but I can't stand back and watch an educational institution or even our healthcare institution look at some of our young kids who don't even know how to think abstractly yet and say, even though God made you with two XX chromosomes, if you want to be a girl, we're going to help you do that not acceptable. It's hurting them. It's wrecking them. It's killing them. And for somebody to look at myself or one of you as believers and say, you shouldn't be involved in that kind of stuff. It's none of your business. God made that little boy or that little girl. You better believe it's our business. If we're not standing for them, who is? God is the author and the creator of life. He decides when it begins and when it ends. If we get to a point where we say we are now going to place those decisions in the hands of fallible men and women, then we are being those very people that have stepped aside. And as the Austrian activist Simon Wiesenthal once said, if you want evil to flourish, it only requires good men to do nothing. So if we are okay with evil continuing to flourish, all we've got to do is sit back and do absolutely nothing. I would ask you, are any of you willing to step up and join me and say, even if it costs us our tax-exempt status, even if it costs us our jobs, even if it costs us our freedom and I have to be in prison, is anybody ready to say, I'm ready to, to go? If so... We have to keep in mind what this might cost us. Now listen to the words of Jesus. 
He said in Matthew chapter 24, they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. Are you okay with that? Okay, well, let me read you another one. John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Are you okay with that? Third one, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Are you okay with that? Gang, I hope and I pray that we can be those people that can look our persecutors in the faith and say, if you are going to haul me off to jail, let's go. If you are going to kill me and send me to be with Jesus, I'm ready. Well, there's one more thing that Paul says in verses 14 through 16. It's a direct quote from Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. But ultimately, he says, create new light by sharing the light. What do we mean by that? Well, if I go back to Ephesians chapter 5, the quote from Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 is this, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, you were once dead in your trespasses and sins. This is a call to unbelievers. Arise. Know the Jesus who came and died for you and rose again so that you can have life and now be light. And then in verses 17 through 21, Paul finishes the passage. Here's your third therefore. This is a series of transitions in chapter 5. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and don't get drunk on wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Here's the last couple things that Paul says. We're free from selfish indulgence. We don't have to be people that make life all about us anymore. In fact, he says, instead, you're free for glorifying God and for blessing others. The Holy Spirit constantly makes me aware of how blessed I am. When I forget, he oftentimes reminds me, especially when I go back to his word, of the many ways that I had been blessed. And he says, because of that, I want you to go out and I want you to honor Jesus. I don't want you to honor Jesus because you have to. I don't want you to honor Jesus because you need to in order to be more loved by him. In fact, remember that you can never be more loved or less loved than you already are. He loves you so much that he will never love you any less. That's regardless of what you do. Now, again, I have heard people say this before. Well, that's dangerous ground. You've now given people a license to go out and sin. No, if you understand what it cost Jesus to give you everything, that he gave up everything to give you everything, how could you not want to live for him? And remember, once he ascended into heaven, he said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who will be with you forever. In Matthew 28, he said, I myself will be with you forever until the end of the age. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be one, the one that's going to fill you. In fact, verse 18 talks about being filled. And I always want to make sure that we understand what those words be filled means. It always means to be controlled. So Paul is saying we need to be controlled not by some foreign substance, not by some ideology or philosophy, but be controlled by Jesus. This is going to be super exciting to you. I know you're going to walk away from here feeling smarter, but when you read the words be filled, it's literally in what we call the second person present tense passive voice imperative mood. Here's why that matters. You feel smarter now? Second person means y'all. 
Y'all, all of you. This, this is not being spoken to an individual. It's being spoken to the church. So y'all, listen close. Those of you that are from Texas, we're close to Texas. It's a good word for y'all. Y'all, all of you, in the present tense, meaning right now and in the ongoing future, I want you to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. But it's in the passive voice, which means that this isn't something that I can just conjure up. doesn't mean that I can grit my teeth and now I'm suddenly going to go glorify Jesus. I don't. Because in my flesh, I mess that all up. So what this is saying is, allow the Holy Spirit to do this through y'all right now. And it's in the imperative mood, which means that is a command. Do it. Again, what is it that God just said through Paul that we're supposed to do? Y'all, get out of the way so that Jesus can live through you and the world can see him. What a great command for us. And then he talks about what that looks like. Well, you're going to speak in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I don't want to blow past this too quick, but what were psalms? They were songs written mainly to remind Israel of God's goodness to them. Do you know why they needed the psalms? How many of you all have read anything from the Old Testament? What do you find Israel doing a lot besides sinning? Complaining. Moses, you brought us out into the desert to die. Why couldn't we just stay in Egypt? We had good fruit, good meat. We had entertainment. Now you bring us out here, we got nothing. God frees them from slavery, and what do they do? It's an immediate complaint. Well, then they're told to also sing some hymns. What are hymns? Hymns are literally exaltation songs. Exalt God constantly when you're in each other's midst. And then there's spiritual songs. And that one's a little bit of a misnomer. You don't need to sing to each other. Please don't. That'd just be weird. How are you? Okay, just don't. Spiritual songs are really a personal testimony about what God has done. That's what Paul really seems to be getting at. Spiritual testimonies about what God has done and what he's doing. Now let's wrap this up. What will that look like? What will that look like daily in your life? Well, he tells us in verses 19 through 21. One, it will be a life of encouragement towards others, which means we'll be speaking in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Secondly, in verse 20, he says it's a life of praise towards God. Again, the word that he uses here is the present tense. This one's in the active voice. Now go do it and keep doing it. Just praise God all the time. If you start to find yourself in a mode of complaining, stop and find a reason to praise God. I don't mean to sound like an infomercial, but one of the best books I've ever read, a guy named Joe Rigney. You might want to jot him down. He may not be someone that you've heard of a whole lot, but Joe Rigney wrote a book, a great book, called The Things of Earth. And in it, it's a pretty, pretty good read, a pretty thick read, but the whole thing is about finding ways, reasons, and purpose for praising God in the things that he has made. When you are done reading that book, you will enjoy things like bacon and ice cream in ways that you have never enjoyed them and praised God for them before. Just trust me. Read the book and then go eat those foods I just mentioned that, like I said before, will send you to be with Jesus. It's awesome. Because Jesus is God in flesh, because he came as a baby in the incarnation, because he lived a life perfectly free of sin, because he died on the cross as that substitutionary atonement for us, because he rose again, 
because he ascended into heaven, because he's coming again, because he himself has taken up residence inside of each one of us, we've all been set free to live a life of purpose, eternal purpose. Isn't that good news this morning? Based off just that little paragraph I just shared with you, that's a reason to rejoice and a reason to celebrate. Amen? Let me pray for us. Jesus, we come before you and we just again thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you this morning. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, would you continue to remind us that even as we read here in Ephesians chapter 5, when you tell us through your servant, the Apostle Paul, certain things that we are supposed to restrain ourselves from or stay free from, Lord, you don't tell us to stay free from those things because you are a cosmic killjoy, but quite the opposite that eternal pleasures are found at your right hand. Lord, remind us of where pleasure comes from. Remind us of where goodness and peace come from. Remind us that you are the only one that will love us fully and completely, that knows us fully and completely and loves us anyways. Lord, would you remind us this week to live a life that honors and glorifies you, one that is full of thanksgiving because of who you are. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you for this morning. And it's in your mighty name that we pray together. Amen. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. NCCABQ.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. Have a great week.